Chapter Six of the Life and Adventures of Sir Launcelot Greaves. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life and Adventures of Sir Launcelot Greaves by Tobias Smollett. Chapter Six, in which the reader will perceive that in some cases madness is catching mr clark having made an end of his narrative the surgeon thanked him for the entertainment he had received and mr ferret shrugged up his shoulders in silent disapprobation as for captain crow who used at such pauses to pour in a broadside of dismembered remarks linked together like chain-shot he spoke not a syllable for some time but lighting a fresh pipe at the candle began to roll such voluminous clouds of smoke as in an instant filled the whole apartment and rendered himself invisible to the whole company though he thus shrouded himself from their view he did not long remain concealed from their hearing they first heard a strange dissonant cackle which the doctor knew to be a sea-laugh and this was followed by an eager exclamation of rare pastime strike my yards and topmasts i've a good mind why shouldn't many a losing voyage i've smite my traffrel but i wool by this time he had relaxed so much in his fumigation that the tip of his nose and one eye reappeared and as he had drawn his wig forward so as to cover his whole forehead the figure that now saluted their eyes was much more ferocious and terrible than the fire-breathing chimera of the ancients notwithstanding this dreadful appearance there was no indignation in his heart but on the contrary an agreeable curiosity which he was determined to gratify addressing himself to mr fillet prithee doctor said he canst tell whether a man without being rated a lord or a baron or what do ye call em do you see mayn't take to the highway in the way of a frolic do you see a dad for my own part brother i am resolved as how to cruise a bit in the way of an errant if so be as i can't at once be commander mayhap i may be bore upon the books as a petty officer or the like do you see now the lord forbid cried clark with tears in his eyes i'd rather see you dead than brought to such a dilemma mayhap thou wouldst answered the uncle for then my lad there would be some picking aha dost thou tip me the traveller my boy tom assured him he scorned any such mercenary views i'm only concerned said he that you should take any step that might tend to the disgrace of yourself or your family and i say again i'd rather die than live to see you reckoned any otherwise than compost die and be dinned you shambling half-timbered son of a blanks cried the choleric crow dost talk to me of keeping a reckoning and compass i could keep a reckoning and box my compass long enough before thy keelstone was laid sam crow is not come here to ask thy counsel how to steer his course lord sir resumed the nephew consider what people will say all the world will think you mad set thy heart at ease tom cried the seaman i'll have a trip to and again in this here channel mad what then i think for my part one half of the nation is mad and the other not very sound i don't see why i ha'n't as good a right to be mad as another man but doctor as i was saying i'd be bound to you if you would direct me where i can buy that same tackle that all errant must wear as for the matter of the long pole headed with iron i'd never desire better than a 
good boat-hook and could make a special good target of that there tin sconce that holds the candle mayhap any blacksmith will hammer me a skull-cap do you see out of an old brass kettle and i can call my horse by the name of my ship which was mufti the surgeon was one of those wags who can laugh inwardly without exhibiting the least outward mark of mirth or satisfaction he had once perceived the amusement which might be drawn from this strange disposition of the sailor together with the most likely means which could be used to divert him from such an extravagant pursuit he therefore tipped clark the wink with one side of his face while the other was very gravely turned to the captain whom he addressed to this effect it is not far from hence to sheffield where you might be fitted completely in half a day then you must wake your armour in church or chapel and be dubbed as for this last ceremony it may be performed by any person whatsoever don quixote was dubbed by his landlord and there are many instances on record of errants obliging and compelling the next person they met to cross their shoulders and dub them knights i myself would undertake to be your godfather and i have interest enough to procure the keys of the parish church that stands hard by besides this is the eve of st martin who was himself a knight-errant and therefore a proper patron to a novitiate i wish we could borrow sir launcelot's armour for the occasion crow being struck with this hint started up and laying his fingers on his lips to enjoin silence walked off softly on his tiptoes to listen at the door of our knight's apartment and judge whether or not he was asleep mr Phillip took this opportunity to tell his nephew that it would be in vain for him to combat this humour with reason and argument but the most effectual way of diverting him from the plan of knight-errantry would be to frighten him heartily while he should keep his vigil in the church towards the accomplishment of which purpose he craved the assistance of the misanthrope as well as the nephew clark seemed to relish the scheme and observed that his uncle though endued with courage enough to face any human danger had at bottom a strong fund of superstition which he had acquired or at least improved in the course of a sea life ferret who perhaps would not have gone ten paces out of his road to save crow from the gallows nevertheless engaged as an auxiliary merely in hope of seeing a fellow-creature miserable and even undertook to be the principal agent in this adventure for this office indeed he was better qualified than they could have imagined in the bundle which he kept under his greatcoat there was together with divers nostrums a small vial of liquid phosphorus sufficient as he had already observed to frighten a whole neighbourhood out of their senses in order to concert the previous measures without being overheard these confederates retired with a candle and lantern into the stable and their backs were scarce turned when captain crow came in loaded with pieces of the knight's armour which he had conveyed from the apartment of sir launcelot whom he had left fast asleep understanding that the rest of the company were gone out for a moment he could not resist the inclination he felt of communicating his intention to the landlady who with her daughter had been too much engaged in preparing crabshaw's supper to know the purport of their conversation the good woman being informed of the captain's design to remain alone all night in the church began to oppose it with all her rhetoric 
she said it was setting his maker at defiance and a wilful running into temptation she assured him that all the country knew that the church was haunted by spirits and hobgoblins that lights had been seen in every corner of it and a tall woman in white had one night appeared upon the top of the tower that dreadful shrieks were often heard to come from the south aisle where a murdered man had been buried that she herself had seen the cross on the steeple all afire and one evening as she passed a horseback close by the stile at the entrance into the churchyard the horse stood still sweating and trembling and had no power to proceed until she had repeated the lord's prayer these remarks made a strong impression on the imagination of crow who asked in some confusion if she had got that same prayer in print she made no answer but reaching the prayer-book from a shelf and turning up the leaf put it into his hand then the captain having adjusted his spectacles began to read or rather spell aloud with equal eagerness and solemnity he had refreshed his memory so well as to remember the whole when the doctor returning with his companions gave him to understand that he had procured the key of the chancel where he might watch his armour as well as in the body of the church and that he was ready to conduct him to the spot crow was not now quite so forward as he had appeared before to achieve this adventure he began to start objections with respect to the borrowed armour he wanted to stipulate the comforts of a can of flip and a candle's end during his vigil and hinted something of the damage he might sustain from your malicious imps of darkness the doctor told him the constitutions of chivalry absolutely required that he should be left in the dark alone and fasting to spend the night in pious meditations but if he had any fears which disturbed his conscience he had much better desist and give up all thoughts of knight-errantry which could not consist with the least shadow of apprehension the captain stung by this remark replied not a word but gathering up the armour into a bundle threw it on his back and set out for the place of probation preceded by clark with the lantern when they arrived at the church Philip, who had procured the key from the sexton who was his patient opened the door and conducted our novice into the middle of the chancel where the armour was deposited then bidding crow draw his hanger committed him to the protection of heaven assuring him he would come back and find him either dead or alive by daybreak and perform the remaining part of the ceremony so saying he and the other associates shook him by the hand and took their leave after the surgeon had tilted up the lantern to take a view of his visage which was pale and haggard before the door was locked upon him he called aloud hello dr hip another word do you see they forthwith returned to know what he wanted and found him already in a sweat hark ye brother said he wiping his face i do suppose as how one may pass away the time in whistling the black joke or singing black-eyed susan or some such sorrowful ditty by no means cried the doctor such pastimes are neither suitable to the place nor the occasion which is altogether a religious exercise if you have got any psalms by heart you may sing a stave or two or repeat the doxology would i had tom laverick here replied our novitiate he would sing your anthems like a sea-mew 
i had been a clerk ashore many's the time and often i've given him a rope's end for singing psalms in the larboard watch would i had hired the son of a to have taught me a cast of his office but it cannot be halt brother if we can't go large we must haul up a wind as the saying is if we can't sing we must pray the company again left him to his devotion and returned to the public-house in order to execute the essential part of their project End of chapter six